Hey, and welcome to this podcast by Chestnut Mountain Church, located in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where our mission is to saturate the world with the good news. We invite you to check out our website at chestnutmountain.org and follow us on social on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at chestnutmtn underscore to learn more about who we are. There are also video episodes located on our YouTube channel, along with other content not on this podcast. This episode features a sermon replay from yesterday's message and our current In the Word series as we journey through the book of Colossians. Let's take a listen. Colossians 1, starting in verse 13, I'm going to read these for us uh, before we begin our day together. It says, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Would you pray with me before we begin today? Father God in heaven, I pray that you would bring your word to our attention today, that you would elevate your son Jesus above anything else, that the distractions would fade away and that you would speak to our hearts by the power of your Holy Spirit. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray and everybody said together, amen, amen. Last week, if you were with us, we talked about Paul's prayer to the church. You remember he was praying there and he said, I pray that you would be filled with the knowledge and wisdom and understanding of God. And Pastor Brian reminded us that we have to fill ourselves with truth, that we were made to be fueled by truth. And in a world where there's a lot of not truths or half truths or just plain evil that's competing for our attention, we have to empty ourselves of what is false, of what is evil, of what is a lie and Fill ourselves with the truth of God's word. And this week we see Paul flow straight into an incredibly important, if not the most important, spiritual reality today. When he says, we have been delivered from the domain of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of light, into the kingdom of God, into the kingdom of Jesus because of what he's done. When we talk about darkness, I think that we understand from an early age without even have, we don't even have to be taught that darkness is bad. From an early age, if any of you have kids or if you've ever been a kid, which is 100% participation at that point, (laughs) we know that darkness, there's either we're outright afraid of it Or we just know that there's something wrong with it. Or it's, you know, from an early age, we have this understanding that dark is not good. Darkness all around us. So when it comes nighttime, it's natural, I think, to be scared or to be worried or to be surrounded by the darkness and not know what to do or to let your mind wander on different things. I have a four-year-old now that comes into our room all night long and, you know, Dad, I got something I need to tell you. Or, Mom, I got something I need to tell you. And most of the time when we say, well, what do you need to tell us, son? He's like, I got something I need to tell you. Well, what do you need to tell us? I got something I need to tell you. And he's stalling, right? He wants to spend more time, so he just keeps repeating it. And then finally he comes out with it. It's, it's Dad, I'm, I'm afraid of the dark. I'm afraid of the dark. I can't go to sleep because I'm afraid of the dark. And I say, well, well, son, you have more nightlights than you have outlets now. Like, we don't have room for more light in your room. The hallway light's on. The foyer light's on. The living room light's on. I'm spending your college money on light bulbs in the house. This is real life. And then we got so many nightlights. It's every outlet. It's nightlights. You know, his room is just nightlights. Nightlights. And the, the, some of them are motion detectored. Anybody have those? It's, you walk by, whoa, what, what's happening? And we got all these nightlights. And he says, yeah, but dad, I'm scared of the dark. And I'm like, son, you're not in the dark. And he's like, yeah, I am. 
out the window is dark. Everything around me is dark. And I'm like, well, I don't have a nightlight for the outside, okay? All I can tell you is you're in the room, and I'm across the hall, and you're fine. There's no reason to be afraid. But don't you think it's interesting that from an early age, we're already scared of the dark? And that there's not an amount of nightlights that I can put in my son's room to alleviate him from that fear of the dark. I think that kids teach us from a very early age that we were hardwired for the light. We were hardwired to walk in the light. And they even know, they see past the mirage of the nightlights. Because it's still dark around me, Dad. I know that I'm in this capsule of light, but I also know that it's dark around me and I can't see out there and I don't know out there and I feel like there's things that could hurt me out there. We were hardwired for the light. We were hardwired to walk in the light and darkness is all around us. You don't need me to convince you of the difficulties that we have in our world today and the dark forces that are at work in our world today. But we do have a choice. We have a choice and this choice is what we are going to focus on today. It's what we're going to deal with today and I want to tell you what the choice is from the top. Then I'm going to unpack that choice as best as I know how and then we're going to get to the end and we're going to make a choice. And that choice is, are you going to walk in the light or are you going to walk away from the light? Are you going to walk in the light or are you going to walk away from the light? And there's really not a lot of gray areas in this equation because just like if I set a light right in the middle of this table today and there was no other light around this is a picture of, of spiritually walking in the light of Jesus or walking away from the light. If there was a light right here, the further I walked away from it, even if I'm kind of taking it slow, I'm getting away from the light and towards the darkness. Ultimately, darkness is the absence of light. And so as much as we want to convince ourselves that there's an in-between zone and there's some gray area like, yeah, Jared, I'm in the light, but you know, like I'm just taking this little detour. I'm here to tell you today with all the love in my heart that there's no gray areas when it comes to the light of Jesus Christ. Either you're walking in it or you're walking away from it. And we're going to unpack that. So we got a long way to go. I'm just giving you the intro. All right. So we will be out in time to eat. I promise. But that's the choice that we're dealing with today. Most of you are probably very familiar with John chapter 3, verse 16, right? Anybody have a coffee mug with that verse on it? No, great. All right. Woo, it's going to be fun today. It, can anybody quote it? John 3, 16. For God so the world that he gave his only. KJV? Nope. He should ever believe. Should not perish, but have everlasting life. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Most of the time we stop there. And I'm not, down, I'm not down in it because it's great. That's it, man. That's a huge verse. we got to know it. That's awesome. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish ultimately but would have eternal life. we got to have that. we got to know that. But I want to go a step further today and actually go past that verse because there's glory to be found after that verse too. And I want to look at verse 19 of John chapter 3 that maybe you haven't ventured further than verse 16 today. But because of the truth of verse 16, we see John chapter 3, verse 19, that this is the judgment. This is the judgment. The light has come into the world. Jesus has come into the world. And people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. This is the judgment that the light has come. This, this light has been prophesied about from ages past and he, he is here. He has come, but people still love the darkness. And the way we know that is because we see that they chose evil works. Verse 20, for everyone who does wicked things hates the light 
oh, John, don't do that, you know? John, what, I mean, I had a couple things that I, I slipped, you know, I'd rather use words like slipped than hate, you know? I'd rather use words like backslidden than like hate and evil and wicked, John. Like, could you make it a little more great? No, he doesn't do that. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light. Because if he did that, his works would be exposed. How many of you know that? You don't have to raise your, This is not a part where you raise your hand. I don't want to call anybody up. Yeah, but I'm going to come there to the light. Remember, I put a light on this. I should have done that. I should have brought a lamp. That would have been a great idea. Next service. I'm going to go there to the light once this kind of settles down. Because I'm not ready, if I go to the light with all this lifestyle that I've got going on, they're going to see it. And I don't want to be exposed in the light. So I'm just going to kind of wait till I get it all together before I go to the light. This is what happens to us in our shame and in our guilt and in, in the way that the enemy, Satan himself, works inside of us to convince us that we've got to get it together before we step into the light. When in reality, stepping into the light is the work of God purifying our intentions and our motives and our heart to cleanse us as we repent of our sins. He is faithful and just to cleanse us of our sins and purify us to make us righteous. And if the enemy can keep us kind of over here in our shame, because if we go to the light, the people are going to see and God's going to see. But God sees it anyway. Verse 21, keep going with me in John 3. We've got a long way to go, guys. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Whoever does what is true comes to the light. Whoever does what is wicked does not come to the light. So here's the question today. Where are you? Are you walking in the light? Remember, I've already asked this question. This is a refresher course, five minutes in, right? Are you walking in the light or are you walking away from the light? And how many of you know that the Christian life is not about, let me get to the light and everything's going to be fine. I'm never going to struggle again. I'm never going to have to come back. The Christian life is this struggle of coming back in repentance. Coming back to be saved again? Absolutely not. Coming back in repentance to be realigned and established firmly and securely. Your, your blood-bought redemption has already been purchased. We don't come back to the light to get more salvation. We've been as saved as we're ever going to be saved, but we do come back to the light to get more power from on high as we walk in His power. Walk in the light. Are you walking in the light? Or are you walking away from the light? Paul's writing to the church in Colossae. We just read it in verse 13 of Colossians 1. God has delivered us from the domain of darkness. Let's talk about this word darkness for a second because it can be used as a physical reality, but it can also be used as a moral reality. So morally dark, and physically dark. It can be two kind of different things. And in the Bible, we see that throughout. We see that darkness represents evil while light represents good. We see that dark represents deception while light represents wisdom. We see that dark is confusion and light is clarity. We see that dark is hiding while light is transparency. Dark is fear. Light is peace. Dark is sorrow. Light is joy. Dark is separation. Light is communion. Dark is lost. Light is found. Dark is wrath. Light is glory. Dark is sin. Light is salvation. This is what we see in the ark of Scripture. 
There's so many. This theme is all across Scripture. And I want you to see this. This theme of darkness and light climaxes at the most important moment in human history when Jesus died on the cross at Calvary. And in this moment, moral darkness and physical darkness collided. Because we see in Luke Luke's gospel, in Matthew's gospel, in Mark's gospel, that darkness came over the land from noon until 3 p.m. High noon, middle of the day, darkness came over the land. And it wasn't overcast. It wasn't a big storm. How do I know that? Great question. Please ask that. Luke 23 is how I know that. Let's go to the word really quick. It'll be on the screen if you don't have time because we're flipping a lot today. Luke 23, 44 and 45. It was now about the sixth hour. That was noon. That's 12 o'clock, you know, in the middle of the day. And there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, three o'clock in the afternoon. While, look at verse 45. I love this. While the sun's light... Failed. Golly, I lo- we, we breezed past it. I love this stuff. You, you think that wasn't on purpose? You think that God could have brought a massive cloud and just made it dark, but left the sun burning? Like, what's the scientific explanation? I really don't have time for this, but what's the scientific explanation of the sun going out? Like, it's not, a, it's not a light switch. He doesn't have a dimmer pack. But the sun, the sun's light failed. There's no scientific explanation for that because God Almighty controls the cosmos. And the sun that burns, they don't have a switch. It's controlled by creator, almighty God. Hello. (laughs) And look at what happened in this moment. Moral darkness and physical darkness collided on the son of God as he hung on the cross. And darkness fell on the land at the middle of the day like high noon sunbathing time. Out. The sun's light failed because God told it to. And there was a purpose for that. There was a purpose for that. I want you to see that purpose. The fullness of God's wrath was being poured out on his son. He did that for you and for me. Because we couldn't take the penalty of our sin. Only Jesus could do that. If there would be redemption. And that's what happened. And as the fullness of God's wrath was poured out on the son. God turned his back on his son. And we know that again. Great question from Matthew and Mark's account. Where Jesus says my God. My God. Why have you forsaken me? Why have you forsaken me? The fullness of God's wrath because of sinful, fallen humanity, present, past, future, me, was on him. And God turned his back on his son and the cosmos obeyed his countenance. The sun went out. There was darkness on the land right in the middle of sunbathing time. And there was a purpose for that. Darkness fell when God turned his back. Darkness fell when God poured out his wrath. Darkness fell when death had its moment. But death only had a moment. And praise be to God that death only had a moment. Darkness is the absence of light. Darkness is the absence of God. In the moment where physical darkness and moral darkness collided, God had to turn his back on his son to satisfy finally and completely the weight of all of our sin. And in that moment, death had the seat at the front, but it didn't last long because three days later, Jesus rose from the grave by the power of the Holy Spirit. The same power. The same power, the same power that lives and breathes in you and me if you are in Christ Jesus. 
So we give thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness. He's delivered us. I want you to notice this language. That's Colossians 1.13. Sorry, don't let me get ahead of myself. I want you to look at that word, us. He's delivered us. Us, Paul is his audience here. He's speaking to fallen humanity when he writes us. And this is important because before Christ, our minds were darkened to his gospel. Dark, can't see. Look at 2 Corinthians 4, 4 through 6. Verse 4 says, the God of this world has, as, as Satan, the enemy, the God of this world, little g, God, not superior, not, not in control, not all powerful, by the way, not omnipresent, so he's not always in your head. Sometimes it's a, a demon that he's sent, but anyway, that's a whole other story. <laughs> the devil's on me again, you know? The devil's on me again. Well, the devil's not omnipresent. We ain't got time for that. Little G is where I got that from. The little G God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. Who is the image of God? For what we proclaim is not ourselves. No, it's Jesus Christ as Lord with ourselves as your servants for his sake. And look at this verse six. This is so good. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness. You remember that, creator God. Let the light shine. Let there be light. That was him. That was his words. That spoke and created. Let the light shine out of darkness. This, this same God has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. <laughs> the grace of God to send his image in his son Jesus in our place that we could see. And he's opened up our hearts to be able to see it. And he did it with his light, the same light that he spoke into creation. There is power in this. He has delivered us who once were darkened, who once couldn't see, who once were dead in our trespasses and sins. He has raised us to life in Christ. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of light. This, this reality is, is huge. This reality, this spiritual reality. If you're not in Christ, then you are in darkness. It's, there's no, there's no like, there's no like kind of sorta here. There's no line that you can straddle or detour that you could take and come back later. It's, it's either in Christ or in dark. And it's important for us to draw that line and make it clear because Jesus already has. He says in John chapter 8, verse 12, he says to them, he says, I am the light of the world, the light, not a light, the light of the world. And he goes on, he says, whoever follows me, whoever walks in the light, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I am the light, the only light, the only way, the only truth, the only life. And if you follow me, you will not walk in darkness, but you will have the light of life. What does this mean? This means that the world has no other light than Jesus. This means that if, if there's any light at all in the world, it is Jesus. And this makes our role as image bearers that much more important, right? We need this perspective that the world needs light and the only light is Jesus. 
This is why it's so important that we don't speak about the gospel in as if Jesus is something to be added to your equation. Or if Jesus is something that'll make your life a little bit better. As if Jesus and, and his gospel and his sacrifice on the cross, as if the purpose of that was just to kind of improve or upgrade you when you're ready for it to be that much better. Because the truth of the gospel is Jesus plus nothing equals everything. There's nothing to add to him. There's no other light but him. And our role as image bearers is to have that deep inside of us and to bear it for the world to see. And we're sitting at the TV and we're complaining about the darkness. And it's good to know what's dark and what's light. It's good to know. Don't hear me get that twisted. It's good to know that what's coming out of that TV or what's coming out of this phone or this iPad or whatever you get your news or social media stuff from, it's good to know what's right and wrong. Keep doing that. But if it stops at you yelling at the TV screen, we need God in this world. We need God. Ah, when I was young, it wasn't used to be like this, you know. My kids are going to have such a hard time. What are we going to do? What in the world are we going to do? And then if you're really strong in your faith, you can, now let me just hold on a second. I'm going to step on some toes just, just for a minute, and then I'll come back to being light and funny and stuff. <laughs> if you're really strong in your faith, you might come to church and talk to your church friends about how bad it is, how dark it is. And then we're the kids in the room with the night lights, but we don't know how to infiltrate the dark world around us. By the way, we're just in the room, but that's not the call. The call is to be in the world and the world is dark and the world's not going to get lighter with you yelling at the TV or talking to your friends about how bad it is. So what are we doing? We're called to walk in the light as he is in the light. First Peter two, nine says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. That you may Proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. I want to put that on the screen. Did I give you that? First Peter 2. I didn't give you that. That's Jared's fault. Here we go again. First Peter 2.9. Do you have your Bibles? Do you have a phone? Do you have something? Write it down. I mean, this is good. This is important. This is the whole thing. For, for you, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a, a holy nation set apart as a people of his own possession for a reason, for a reason, not to sit behind the TV. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness, who delivered you from the darkness into his marvelous light, transferred, delivered. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. We've been called to reign as a chosen race, as a royal priesthood, called to carry this light to the dark world around us. So the question today, is are, are we, are you, are we, am I a city on a hill that cannot be hidden, Matthew 5? Or are we a nightlight in the room yelling at the TV screen? 
Are we walking in the light as he is in the light? He has delivered us from the domain of darkness. We, we haven't. This is a reality that I want to resurface that we just grazed past for a second. We have not been upgraded. We have been delivered like once dead, now alive, delivered. And God delights in snatching sinners up out of the darkness and transferring them into the kingdom of light. This is a reality for us to walk in. Are we walking in it? Are we going away from it? Or are we maybe keeping a careful distance and waiting till the right time to go to the light? There's only one way. Paul talks about his deliverance story in Acts chapter 26 when he's, he's testifying before the court and he tells his, his testimony sort of in an elevator version here that's just so beautiful. Acts 26, I'm pretty confident I gave you this one starting in verse 12. They're nodding at me, I love it. Paul says, I journeyed to Damascus with the authority and, and, and commission of the chief priests. Just a quick backstory. Paul was persecuting the people that worshiped God. So I don't know where you are in the whole testimony department, but like this is a bad dude. And on the way to killing some more Christians, on the way, like on the way there, on the way into darkness, like walking in darkness and walking away as fast as you can go from the light. This is what happened to Paul at midday, sunbathing time, you know. Oh, king, he says, I saw on the way a light from heaven and it was brighter than the sun. Like it was so bright. Have you ever looked up at the sun and you can't see anything else for a minute? This light was so bright that I knew that it was different than the sun. Brighter than the sun is what he said, that it's shone around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, because that's the only posture that happens when you've seen this type of light. I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew language, how beautiful is it that God speaks our language? This is what he said. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Why are you persecuting me, Saul? No introduction. Just a light. That was obvious and speaking in the language that Saul understood. Don't have time for that either, Ben. And so Paul said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus who you, whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand upon your feet for I have appeared to you for this purpose to appoint you as a servant and witness to the things in which you have seen me, me and to those in which I will appear to you delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you here's here's the here's the thing I want you to underline or Highlight or something, verse 18. This is it. To, I've sent you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light. So that they may turn from evil and turn to righteousness. So that they will start, stop walking away from my light and start walking in my light. And I've chosen you, Saul, right in the middle of when you were walking the opposite direction. Just to prove my power. And to bring maximum glory to my name. So this is what Paul, this is Paul's experience. And this is what Paul is talking about when he says... God has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. Notice that Paul didn't say that we're waiting for transfer. Like we're waiting to be delivered. He didn't say, okay, you've been saved. Now go take your TV into the room with the nightlights and wait until Jesus comes back. 
He said, you've been delivered and you've been transferred. Well, Jared, it feels dark, feels out of control, especially now. I don't know what to do. I'm really like, I don't know. I don't know if I can do this. It's really dark around me. I don't feel very delivered right now. The promise is true that as we walk in the light, this light that shone from the darkness and darkness was not able to overcome. This, this, this light that hung on a tree until it went dark and the whole cosmos went dark with it. But on the third day, this light rose victorious from the grave to shine forevermore. The promise is that as you walk with this light, Yes, it's dark around you, but you're safe, you're secure, you're provided for. You have no reason to fear because the one who is sitting enthroned on high forevermore that has prepared a place for you is with you now. Ephesians 5, 8, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So walk as children of light for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true walk as children of the light in the end in the end of revelation this big long book that we're scared to teach (laughs) it's confusing and the pictures are amazing and we just let our mind be blown by John, the Apostle John's vision of heaven and the new Jerusalem and the new earth and the final battle. We see towards the end of this book in Revelation, John is seeing heaven and he's seeing the new Jerusalem with the pearly gates and the golden streets. And this is what he said in Revelation 21, verse 23. He said he saw the city, and the city had no need of sun or moon to shine on it. For the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. There's no need for a sun or for a moon or for a nightlight. Because the glory of God is enough. Because the light from the Lamb is enough. And then he goes on in the very next uh, chapter, just a few sentences later, and he says in in, uh, chapter 22, night will be no more. There's not going to be any more night. There, there There will be no light or lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forevermore. That's you if you're in Christ. There's not going to need to be any lights other than him. I don't feel like it's landing, so we're going to keep moving. Apart from Jesus, there is no light. He is the light. And his light is so strong that there is no need for any other light. His light is so strong that there is going to be no more night in eternity. His light is so strong that it will never burn out. His light is actually not accurately described as his light because he himself is light. He doesn't have a light. He is light. And he doesn't stop shining because he stopped for three days and he said it is finished. And he shines forevermore. Where are you today? Are you walking in this light? Are you you walking in Jesus? Are you in Christ or are you going away from the light? Or are you keeping a careful distance and thinking that you're not going away from the light? Where are you today? God has transferred us into the kingdom of light, into the kingdom of his beloved son. There was a story, a true story, actually, three years ago. Thirteen boys trapped in a cave system in Thailand. Anybody see that in the news 2018, a few years ago? Good, nobody knows about it in here. That's awesome, because like 17 people knew it in the other one, and I had a lot of pressure when I put it out there. 
13 boys trapped in a cave in Thailand. It's a tourist attraction area. People enjoyed kind of going in and testing the limits. And these boys were a part of a soccer team. After practice, they went to the cave. They did this a lot. This cave, the cave system stretched over eight kilometers, like longer than that even, but these boys had gone as deep as eight kilometers before into this cave system. That's almost five miles underground, under a really big mountain in Thailand. And people enjoyed going to see it and checking it out. You, you go in and there's a big, big mouth of the cave, which is kind of the way that sin lures us. You know, it's really easy at first and then it gets, anyway, a different story. And so the boys would go in there and some parts you gotta, you gotta like climb, you gotta maneuver, it gets really tight. I don't know if any of you like to spelunk or go spelunking or whatever that word is that I don't know how to say. Nobody, okay. And this whole, Ben Adams has been, Yes, sir. And so anyway, love you, Ben. Grew up with Ben. Ben went with my wife spelunking in college. Love you, Kaylin. You look great today. <laughs> Squirrel! Okay, so you climb the, you go up and down and around and it's tight and it's not tight and it looks good and it's fun and it's not fun and it's scary and it's kind of like life, right? So the kids were going on this Adventure. Everybody knew that it gets really dangerous in the summertime. July is monsoon season. And when the monsoons come, the floods come in the cave system because the water's got to go somewhere. And it, it, it said that in these caves, uh, it could flood up to 16 feet in parts of these caves. So you see where this is going. 13 boys being boys. They go to the cave, they leave their bike outside, they go inside, they're having fun, they're about a mile and a half deep, and it starts to flood. Because it's summer, and you don't go into the cave during summertime. June 23rd, they're a mile and a half underground, deep inside the cave, and the waters come. So they panic, and they have to get to higher ground, and they're not able to get out of the cave, so they go up into this higher ground, and they're stuck. And there's no hope because they know that once the rain starts, the rain keeps coming. So they dig a little hole deeper into the side of the wall so that they could be close to each other and be warm because it's very cold down there and the water's rising. So they've, they've got to figure out how to survive. The only thing they had was a water source, obviously because of the rain, as it dripped down the cave, not very clean, but they could drink at least. No food. All they had with them were their torches, which eventually went out. Stuck, trapped in the dark. No nightlight. Not a lot of hope for survival. They're in the dark. They've gotten themselves into this equation and they're stuck now. And so the parents knew that that's where they were because, you know, any parents, you just know. You know where your, your kids are after they've been missing for a little while. That's, that's where they used to go. So they, they went to the cave. They saw the bikes. They knew they were in there. They sound the alarm. We've got rescue people coming from all over the world to come help get these kids out of this cave. Navy SEALs and rescue teams, Air Force rescue teams, and, and all these experienced divers and even engineers were coming to figure out the best way to get out of this cave because this was going to be extreme. And these boys were trapped in darkness, swallowed. You know that feeling where you, you feel like it's closing in on you. But they were determined to survive and on July 2nd, the ninth day, trapped, two British divers came up on them. And the way that they found them is they would, they would be diving through parts and swimming through parts and then coming up. And every time they would come and find an air pocket, they would take off their mask and they, would, they said they would smell first. And if they couldn't smell, they would shout. And if nothing came back, they would go back under and keep making their way through the cave. And they said when they came to this one part and they came up for air and they smelled, they said they could smell them before they could hear them. 
My wife said, How, they must have really good sense of smell to be able to smell the, the people, you know? And I'm like, that's how bad they stunk. I hope that that lands better tomorrow when I preach this, but here we are. Nine days in the dark, straying away, you know, the sin starts to smell. And so anyway, they come up for air and they smell them. And they go to them and the boys are terrified and they don't even know. It's like, I watched a video. They're not even really celebrating because they're, they've been in here for nine days, disoriented. They don't have light. Finally, they see light. And the divers couldn't even stay with them because they didn't have what it took to get them out. They didn't have food. They didn't have anything. But they found them. And it says that they tell the story. The divers stayed with them for a little while to try to boost their morale. And before they left, they left them with some light. I think it's interesting, as a side note, that the kids, of course, wanted food. But they were overjoyed to have some light. So nine days in the dark and they, they, they've been given this light. They've been given this hope. The rescue mission was in play. This was, this was coming together, but it was getting harder because the rains weren't stopping. And even on July 6th, actually, a former Navy SEAL diver died trying to get more air to the kids. I mean, this was an intense operation. complicated, dangerous. I think we have a picture maybe for the screen to show the, the way the map went. Yes, yeah, so you come in, and I want, this is what I want you to see about this map. The total distance to the boys was almost 3,000 meters. It's like a mile and a half, a little over a mile and a half. Half of that trip was on foot, like they could walk in some areas, but then half of it was spent diving and swimming and trying to, so to get the boys out, they had to get really creative. This was hard enough for experienced divers, for experienced trained SEALs and rescue teams to get in there and get out. So they're trying to figure out how to, I mean, Elon Musk sent them a, a prototype tiny submarine and it wouldn't fit, so it didn't work. This is, the whole world's coming in, like we gotta help with these Get these kids out of the gray, out of the cave. So they get in there, they send the rescuers, working their way back for hours, pitch dark, it's freezing cold, the water, narrow parts, so narrow, in fact, they had to take the, the tank off their back and, and carry it behind them as they swam through some of the parts. Anybody want to do that? Like, no. And they get back there to the boys and they, they end up having to sedate the boys because they were afraid they would panic in some of the parts. So they sedate them heavily so that they basically were, were I mean, they were conscious, but they were out of it so that they didn't panic. Setting up pulley systems and, and, and passing them one by one up these steep, rocky terrain. Swimming with them in these Eno looking things where you just like wrap them up like a cocoon and you drag them through with their tank on their mouth. Crazy, like unbelievable. And they get to the end. And on July 10th, 18 days after walking in the cave, they walked out in the light. All 13 of them saved. All 13 of them back to safety. And on Facebook, one of, the, one of the Thai Navy SEALs wrote, we're not sure if this is a miracle or if it's science or what it is. I mean, it was like crazy. And the celebration was worldwide. This is, this is near impossible. Like, how could they do that? Can you believe? Intense, heroic feat. But I just, I just want you to hear today that as amazing as that rescue mission was, it pales in comparison to the deliverance 
that Paul is writing about today. It pales in comparison. But it's so much easier to celebrate. Why is it so much easier to celebrate that than our own deliverance from death and darkness and sin? What? Why is it harder to imagine that the rescue mission that started in heaven before the beginning of the world and ended with an empty tomb. Why is it so hard to imagine that that was far more intense and far more complex and far more worthy of our worship and celebration? We need this perspective today. We need this perspective of just how dark the darkness was that we've been delivered from. We need this perspective today of, of just how evil this dark was that we've been transferred out of. Jesus took our place on the cross. He absorbed all of God's wrath on our behalf so that we could be reconciled to God through repentance and faith. This was the ultimate rescue mission and in him Paul writes in Colossians 1 we have redemption the forgiveness of sins uh, Jared I've heard it all you know I've heard it all when you hear it as many times as I've heard it it just I don't know it just kind of wears out my prayer today is that God would open up our hearts to see the glory of his salvation. That we would not grow tired of his rescue mission. We would not grow tired of his redemption, that we would walk confidently in his light, the only light. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you made a decision or if you have any questions about salvation or anything about this Christian journey, one of our pastors would love to connect with you. So to connect and find out what your next steps are, go to our website at chestnutmountain.org slash next steps and there will be a form for you to fill out so one of our pastors can connect with you. We also want you to do three things right now. Number one, leave a review on this podcast. Tell us what you think. And also, a review allows us to reach even more people. Number two, subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already so you don't miss an episode during the week. And number three, we want you to go check out our Chestnut Mountain Church YouTube channel. So maybe there's some visuals in this episode that you couldn't see but wanted to see. And that's why we have video versions of these episodes along with other content not featured on this podcast right now on our YouTube channel. Lastly, we invite you to join us live for worship on Sunday mornings in person at 9 o'clock or 1045 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or online at 1045 as well. Learn more about us on our website at chestnutmountain.org and don't forget to follow us on social at chestnutmtn underscore for more encouragement and to see all what God is doing in and through CMC. We love you, we're praying for you, and we'll see you next time.